Good morning. I'm Pastor Dave, and it is time for our children's story. And so I'd like to welcome all the children to come forward and sit on the steps. I know I'm a stranger to you, but I'd like to be as welcoming as I can be. So if the children would find their way, we're going to have a story right here on the steps. You can have a seat. And I have something to read to you. Apparently, I get the rocking chair. They've assessed my condition and decided this is the way to go. Delightful. Wow, how are we today? How are you doing? What's your name? Austin? That's nice. Let me see. Let me get another name or two. Right back here with a pink sweatshirt on. What's your name? Woo! I didn't quite catch all of that. Let me hear it again. Your name again? Your name? It felt like there was a Jennifer in there. I don't know. We're going to have to take this up again a little bit later. How about this guy over here with the yellow on his shirt? Oh, yeah. Yago? Yago? Yago, that's awesome. And then way down there, let me get another young lady, maybe with the green sweater on. You're all going to have to look at yourselves for a second. Green, green sweater. Oh, yeah, that's me. What's your name? Talia. Talia? Well, you all have beautiful names, and you look delightful today. Am I scooting back onto somebody? I'm sorry. You're getting more and more in danger of these things as I rock back. I have a story to read to you. I love stories. Love, love, love stories, and some of my favorite stories are stories that Jesus told. So I have a story to share with you that Jesus told, and okay, so let me just tell you this. I don't want them really to know yet, but this is the story we're going to talk about in the sermon, so we're going to talk even more about it, but here we go. It is in Luke chapter 11, if you want to go and find it later, but it starts this way in the fifth verse. It says that Jesus told them a story. Let's pretend, he says, let's pretend you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, hey, friend, lend me some of your bread. Do you have some bread that I can, well, why would you need bread? Well, let's pretend you told them, in fact, I have a friend that came to my house on a trip late at night, and they're hungry, so I need the bread to make them a sandwich. Can you help me? But suppose that the person inside, let's pretend that they're already in bed. Do you guys guys sleep, like, really soundly? Yeah, does anybody here snore? Anybody want to raise your hand and say, yep, I snore? Parents, anybody, parent, anybody have a child that's up here that snores? But yeah, there are some of you where, yeah, yeah, that's right. And if you don't snore yet, give it time. (laughs) Something you'll work up to. But let's just say that the friend you go over to get the bread from, they're asleep already and their door is locked. And they say, hey, my children are all in in bed. Don't, don't, shh, don't wake anybody up. We're all asleep. Well, here's what this story Jesus tells says. Even though he doesn't want to give up to give, get up to give you the bread, even just because of friendship, if you're persistent and you keep knocking, 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 how many of you know that if you just keep knocking, you just keep knocking sooner or later, just keep knocking sooner or later, mom will say, what, Austin? 
You just keep knocking. Be persistent. Be persistent. That's what this story says. I tell you, just because of his incessant, continual knocking, sooner or later he'll surely get up and he'll give you some bread. And then Jesus ends the story with this. And maybe you've sung this in a song. Maybe you've memorized it as a memory verse. But this is the story that this is connected to. So now you know. Here it is. Jesus says, I say this to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Do you know the next one? Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And so we go to Jesus with the things that are on our heart, and we ask him for help. And we look for his answers, and we keep knocking, keep knocking, because he loves you. He loves me. So let me pray with you, and then we're back to our seats, okay? Ready? Father, thank you for these new friends of mine and for all of their pretty shoes and dresses and clothes and brushed and combed hair, but more than any of those things that we see from the outside. Thank you for their hearts for their hearts open to you. And thank you for the invitation to always come to you with our needs and those things that we worry about for mom and dad, brother, sister, or my neighbor. So Lord Jesus, thank you for your stories. We will keep reading of you and we will keep coming to you over and over again. In Jesus' name we claim this, amen. Thank you for coming up here. It's so nice to meet you today. It is a delight to be with you. Again, I'm Pastor Dave, Dave Ferguson, and I, I am currently located in Tennessee, uh, there on the campus of Southern Adventist University, the Collegedale Church. And so it's, it's a delight to come and travel, to be, I have family that's here, I have friends that are so uh, deep in our friendship that they are family, and I have acquaintances from some days gone by that I've been here, <clears throat> and so it feels a bit like home, away from home, and I'm delighted to be able to spend time with you, especially delighted to get to spend time in your series on stories with the storyteller. Like I said, I love stories. We're going to dive into this one that we've just kind of previewed. We, the, the children, you may not have noticed, but the children got a little heads up on where we're headed. But I want to spend a, a moment first as we calibrate in prayer sponsored by Scripture. So I'd like to invite you, and it'll be on the screen, but invite you to turn your mind or your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 For just a moment, as we focus, there's a single word that we're going to kind of keep coming back to, and it's the word alert. Alert. You will find it in the passage as we read. We join the sixth chapter in the 18th verse, as you will notice on the screen. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray 
that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So, with this in mind, be alert. Alert to what? Alert in prayer. What does it mean to be alert in this way together? As we start, I'm going to invite you to do a little prayer exercise with me. You don't have to move anywhere. You don't have to move your lips. You don't have to raise your voice. This all gets to be done inside of your head. But I'd like for you to consider someone that is on your heart as we talk. They might not have been on your heart as you entered this place, but someone in particular you are concerned for or that comes to mind as we share. I'm going to prompt you, provoke you with some categories, and then you get to make up other categories as well. But one category, the missing. Could be missing from your life, could be missing from our faith community, could be missing out, and we know it. How about our children? You might have young or older children that come to mind quickly and easily because of something specific or something more general. How about the addicted? And every day we come to greater clarity on the possibilities of what addiction could look like. Not always is it going to be alcohol or drugs. There are all so many ways that we become addicted and trapped. Or the offended. How many of you know somebody that used to sit somewhere near where you are today? But somehow, some way, in fact, it is the name of Christ that has offended. Maybe there's somebody you think of there. It could be a neighbor for whom you're concerned or you're just newly getting to know. Or maybe it's a house and you've never actually met anybody there yet. But you have in your mind's eye somebody that fits that. What about the marginalized, those left behind, those left out, those struggling, the grieving? And every one of us fits that category sooner or later, don't we? You might know somebody right now who's going through something especially difficult. I'll I'll say our 20-year-olds, I don't even quite know what to say to categorize this group that I'm thinking of, but you know in our faith community we've really struggled recently, and I'm so delighted to be able to look around here and see that the struggle isn't quite as visually dramatic amongst us. But if you're not aware, (laughs) there is a mass exodus of 20-year-olds from all sorts of communities of faith. And where they are drifting to has not been to a replacement of their faith with some other version of faith, but usually to a place that does not have God. You probably have somebody on your heart there, and maybe I've not mentioned a category that so neatly fits to the person you're thinking of. It could be because uh, you've read this with a certain age grouping kind of in mind. It could be, in fact, uh, that, that there's something very specific you're thinking of. We, we rarely think about praying for those who are having their most successful days. But have you noticed people experiencing grand success are extraordinarily vulnerable. So maybe it's somebody that you know is having their best day ever, and that just means the opportunity for them to become distracted by self, disconnected from a grander power, all of this is possible. What I'm hoping is, as I've talked over these last couple of minutes, that you've started to kind of lock in on some one. If you've landed on a whole clump Look in more closely and think of one. Personalize it. See their face. Consider their circumstances. 
Where are they right now? Most likely. Can you see where they would be? What I'd like to do is take a moment for you and me, for us to silently pray over that person with our eyes closed and you visualizing them as clearly as you can and to ask God for something specific for them. And then I will close this time of silent prayer with a prayer of my own. And in this moment, I'd like to ask that you not only pray in the part where you are the active participant, but that you pray in the way where you then are alert to the God of all things speaking in your heart. So we'll bow and we'll quietly pray. Lord God, you are able to look into our hearts, into our minds. You're able to see what we see. So every face has registered with you. As we, in our own unique space, have had a conversation with you about someone, Lord, hear our prayers. We pray earnestly on behalf of these we love, these we barely know, these we hold concerns for those that we celebrate, we earnestly pray for them in conversation to you. So bless us through this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are going to be in Luke chapter 11 today. Luke 11, I'm going to read it again, this time in the New International Version. That was kind of the Pastor Dave uh, semi-tortured version. So starting in verse 5 of Luke chapter 11, but if you're wondering, find, you can find chapter 11 of Luke on your phone in your Bible, and, and then you know you can kind of put a finger in that. That's where we're going to sit. So here's the story Jesus told. Verse 5, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food for, to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And there's the story of Jesus. Now, I have to admit to you, it's a little complex. There are moving parts. There are multiple friends, exactly who's who. But let me start by making this assertion. My, my suggestion to you is that this is a parable that displays the power of intercessory prayer. Now, I, I was thinking about that. How many of you use the word intercessory just generally? Yeah, you, 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 you like make an intercessory turn uh, on the highway. Uh, I'm going to just uh, look. Honey, as you leave the house, I've noticed you left your keys and I'm doing a little intercessory activity here now because I know what's about to happen. You'll be looking. I, I don't use the word very often in intercessory, interceding on behalf of another person. In other words, you have somebody like we just did, somebody in mind that you have a concern for. You're praying to God on behalf of that person. Now, your first question is, why are you so confident this is about prayer at all? Well, back up just a few verses to the beginning of chapter 11. Do you remember it? One day, first one, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Ah, tip number one, Jesus is praying. That's the context of what he tells this story. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. 
Okay, getting deep in the prayer. Just as John taught his disciples, and he says to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. And so then Jesus told them this. So in other words, as Jesus starts this story, it comes right on the heels of being asked, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Yeah, but maybe he switched subjects. Well, maybe, but then look at how he ends this parable. The last verse of it in verse 8, I tell you, even though you will not get up and give you, this person won't even get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because you shamelessly, because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And we know, I mean, we use this to talk about our conversation with God. So it's sandwiched in this subject of prayer, and as if to not really leave any possible other way for us to be understanding Jesus' story, he goes on and says this in verse 11, for which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? A little hard to escape. This is about prayer. And it's about prayer for another person who has a need. Is there anybody here who's ever struggled with just feeling awkward about maybe misunderstanding or feeling like you couldn't really explain it or even just felt a little weird about intercessory prayer? I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I'll admit I have. I will admit to you that there is something unusual and difficult in my mind over the fact that as I pray over my son a few moments ago, Jesus, God, hears that prayer, and because I ask, he will do something good for my son. Why, why, why wouldn't he do it for him if I don't ask? What if I'm a jerk? My son's in trouble. What if you need something right now? And I would pray, and you would receive, but if I don't, you don't. So your relationship with God now is all wrapped up in me. That, does that, uh, maybe, you're, maybe you've got this all sorted out, and it's all very clear to you. That's always been a real struggle to me. I will admit, and even by the time we're done talking about this parable, I'm still a little stumped because there's something that happens in God's kingdom when we pray. And we are asked to and invited to. So do not misunderstand that by the time we're done, I would seek to explain everything about intercessory prayer. No, no. All I really am interested in right now is explaining this story Jesus told, which happens to be about intercessory prayer. So it's not going to necessarily sum up everything, but it's going to say something. And so to do so, I think we need to unpack the story. Uh, I like stories that are told visually. Uh, and so I would like to, to retell the story, but visually, because I think it sorts some things out. I'm relatively certain that we've got some of our, for some of us, our, the friends are kind of mixed up and scrambled, and we're not sure who's doing what in the story, but we can sort that out. So I need, for this, I need three volunteers. I need three people just by a raise of hand. Sure, Chloe, that'd be great. I see your hand going up. <laughs> it's her hand, but you, you were holding it. Chloe, would you help me? See, you, you also, I, what's that? 
You will too? Okay, come on up. The two of you can come on up. Now, by the way, uh, I, I would like there to be, um, Mark, I know your name. <clears throat> Are you willing? Sure. Come on up. Come on up, Mark. Okay, so it's, wait, is it Jennifer? No. What? Yeah. Julie, Julie, Chloe, Mark, come on up. Come on up. Okay, so Mark, I'd like for you to stand maybe over, over here. <clears throat> By the bread. Don't touch it, please. All right, Chloe, you go right up here just in front of the drum kit, and it's Julie, right? Julie, you are our main character. Okay, you're going to stand right here, okay? This is wonderful. This is delightful. And in fact, you are not going to have to speak. Okay, good. I will be asking you to sing. No, no, not at all. <laughs> oh, yes, you guys didn't even know what you're into. No, actually, what you're going to do is I'm just going to maneuver you around the room as we read Scripture so that we can figure out what's what and we can understand this parable. All right, Chloe, good. Julie, good. Mark, we're good. Okay, so here's how it starts. Jesus, in verse 5, says to them, suppose you have a friend. Who's you? Julie is the you. She's the person in this parable. You have a friend. Now, here's what we're going to discover in the story. You have two friends. So which friend are we talking about is an interesting challenge. So you have a friend, and you go to the friend at midnight. So this is the friend that's the neighbor. The friend that you go to is the neighbor. There's another friend, and they're going to come to you. So Chloe's going to be the friend that comes to you. In fact, Chloe is a traveler. I'm going to give you a suitcase. Then we got it all settled down up here. You're going to just, wherever you go, you're going to carry that, okay? So she's the traveler, right? <clears throat> you are the friend who's in the house asleep. Yeah, so we got we to gotta do some stuff to you to help you. Uh, here, we didn't just tuck you in. Whoops, there you go. There, that's, that's good. There, you feeling comfy? I don't know, this might help. <laughs> there. Because uh, I sized you up and felt, if anything happens here, uh, we need to protect your hair. So, all right, so we have a traveler, we've got the guy in bed asleep. Okay, so far so good. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Some of you have already figured out that Mark at his feet has loaves of bread, not three, but two. We could break one in half, then there'd be three, but there it is, the bread. For a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. So let's break this down. You got a friend you're going to end up going to, but that's picking it up in the middle of the story. What happens first is around midnight, Chloe shows up. All right, so you now walk over here. Yeah, yeah. This is a friend. Julie, this is your friend, Chloe. She's on a trip, and she is hungry late at night, and you don't have... Well, by the way, let's, let's make sure we can all visualize what's happening here. Now, you wander into the kitchen, and I'm not sure what earthly good this is going to do you, but go ahead. You can tie that around. Perfect. No, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I don't know. You're kind of... You're at her mercy. Yeah. I would, I would do something intercessory for you right now, but I don't usually use the word. All right, so here we go. So, Julie, Chloe shows up and she's the friend, right? So we'll keep reading. So now, Julie, you walk over here, and this is actually where our parable starts. This has already happened, and our parable starts. Now, there's a wall here. There's a door here. He's actually not standing. He's lying prone. He has children. They're all in bed, but you're desperate. 
right? You need bread for Chloe, and you know how Chloe gets if she's hungry. All right, so suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey, that's Chloe, has, no, and has come to me, and I have no food to offer her. Suppose the one inside answers, hey, don't bother me. I'm asleep. The door is locked. Children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. So we're at this standstill. Now, time out. We said this is a parable about what? Prayer. So who is the person praying? Julie. What's she praying about? Who has a need? Chloe. So this is a parable. This is a story meant to illustrate some things. So, in fact... Julie becomes aware of the need that you have, and in this story, you're hungry, so she needs bread. It could be any number of things that you might need forgiveness. You might need the repair of of a friendship. You might need all sorts of things. Who knows? But here you are. You're in need. And so what does Julie do? She doesn't just stay conversing with you about your need. She goes to the neighbor. So then, who's the neighbor? Who's Mark? God. In this parable, I know it's a stretch, (laughs) which, which I would suggest, Catherine, if you do post that to Facebook, you simply put the caption, God. (laughs) He would like Lord. And at this point, I want to step a little further away. But he is playing the role in this story of God. And so you go to God, and you're knocking, and God is saying, ah, shh, pipe down. We're shut down for the day. Now, by the way, as these parables go, some parables teaching about God are parables of comparison. In other words, like this character is, so is God. Sometimes they're parables of contrast, like this one. The reason we know this is a parable of contrast is you remember by the end, Jesus will say, see, but if you're thinking this is the way the interaction is good, imagine you're a parent who has a child who wants a fish and you would give them a stone or a snake. No, no, no. You would give them something good. How much more interested is the one who made you all, who loves you, who died on the cross for you? How much more would he, how much more quickly would he respond, right? So this is a parable of contrast, right? But so now, and here we're getting to something really, really, really interesting. Because here's how the story goes. You keep knocking, you keep knocking. He sheds the blanket. Go ahead, you can do that. And he picks up the bread. Critical moment. What happens next? Let's play this out as the story doesn't say it happens. The two of you, yeah. The two of you now walk over. And you prepare a sandwich, Mark, and hand it, you can just hand a loaf, to, to Julie, right? Hey. Oh, not Julie, I'm sorry, Chloe. <laughs> right? That's what the Bible doesn't say. In fact, in the parable, we don't see the character Mark is playing outside of his own house. 
So go back there with the bread. You're going to have to give the sandwich back. Yeah. And you go to what the parable says happens is that he finally gives her, Julie, the bread. And Julie now comes back. And Julie feeds Chloe. I don't know everything. Yeah, go ahead. You can gnaw on that, whatever you need to do. It was sitting around in the car. Don't worry about it. This one might be cleaner, but I don't know. You, uh, can we have a round of applause for our... Thank you. Thank you. You can put this down there. And, uh, and yes, well done. Well done. Actually, you've got to carry that everywhere you go today. No, 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 no. No, and you can, you can decide how long you want to wear the apron. <clears throat> Thank you. You don't know if it's coming off? Well, then you're wearing it longer. You can just lie it down right there. This parable may not say everything about intercessory prayer, but it sure says something. It feels to me that this parable is suggesting that we ought to be on the alert for two things. We ought to be on the alert for this traveling friend, the person in your community that needs prayers, the family member that is become distraught, the offended party who no longer is here, the person who shows up for the first time and confesses their story of difficulty, whoever that traveler is that finds their way here, we should be, as Ephesians chapter 6 said, we should be on the alert to pray, pray, pray. But then Jesus says, here's how this works. Because you come to me on behalf of another person and I've got to admit, this is the clearest parable about intercessory prayer you'll find in Scripture. So maybe it mostly works a different way, but that's not the suggestion of Jesus. The suggestion of Jesus here is that the way he's ready to work the very most is he has something for me to go back and meet the needs of the world around me. So I... I don't know if you were doing it. I know what happens to me usually as I think about my son and I pray over my son. I'm usually asking God, by the way, could you do this for my son? And I'm getting used to Amazon Prime two days. I know this is a weekend, but if you could get there at least by Tuesday. I'd like to sign up for the alerts on the shipping. And what Luke chapter 11 says is, Dave, yes, on behalf of your son, knock, seek, ask, pray, 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 come, don't give up, don't give up. But as you do, be on the alert because I have bread to give to you to take back and meet the needs of the world around us. I sometimes wonder if the reason we're so confused about intercessory prayer is that we would far prefer not having to have to do much about the needs of the world around us. How much more convenient would it be if we had an order around Santa Claus God? No wonder one of the most dominant metaphors in the New Testament is that you and I, when we give our hearts to Jesus, we become his body. And he says, 
I look around. Don't you imagine the God of this universe must weep at night over the individuals that he has something for, but we refuse to be activated to him. Oh, please. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're a parent and your child asks for some food, you wouldn't give them something to hurt them. You wouldn't just ignore them just entirely for end, endless hours. No, no, I am ready to give. I would give everything, but I've chosen to work through my people. And the way this works is you come to me on behalf of that individual, I've begun to wonder if the power of prayer might be the power for God to soften my heart to be able to hear, because I'm more alert to him, hear what he has on behalf of my friend, my neighbor, my family member, the stranger within my gates. I love this thought from a favorite storytelling book, Christ Object Lessons. Prayer is not to work change in God. It is to work change in me so that I might be ready to take his love to the world one person at a time. So I'd like to end the way we started. I'd like to invite you to be on the the alert I'd like you to recall that person that you prayed for in your mind as we started, but this time I'd like you to pray through the parable. I'd like you to see that person who has come to your mind as a traveler in need. I'd like for you to see your, you are in such proximity with God, all you have to do is turn and knock. And as you knock, now we're on high and extra alert to hear from him. What do you have for me, for the one that I was lifting in prayer? How miraculous would it be for God not only to meet the needs of someone desperate, but for him to do so through struggling Christians like us? And in one swoop, he performs two miracles. And his bread passes through my hands. So, bow your head. Quiet your heart. Hear the voice of a Jesus who would cross the ages for you who shed his blood for my salvation and in so doing calls me to be his body, his hands, his feet, the one carrying the bread. So you see them, don't you? That person you had in your mind, you see them. And you've been speaking over them to God, their need, their concern, their worry, or yours on their behalf. And now in the silence that will lead right into a song, I invite you to listen for the response of God and what he might invite you to do on his behalf for that traveler.